Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection Show with Lisa and Nancy, publishers of Big Blend Magazines and nature photographer Margot Carrera. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on our four-part series of Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection Show focusing on nature destinations across the country and around the world. This is our fourth and final episode in this specific and special series. Uh, it's the fourth and final, but last but not least at all. We are going to Southeast USA. We're going to coastal Mississippi on this episode with Lisa Evans, who's a travel writer and author of the book, 100 Things to Do Before You Die in Coastal Mississippi. Uh, it's a wonderful book and she's a wonderful writer and she loves nature and she takes us all through the area and also talks about climate change and the issues that face her region. We also go to Florida, fabulous Florida, with Kathleen Walls. She's a travel writer and author of multiple books, and she talks about Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge and other regions. And we have Dr. Diane Dobry on as well, who's a travel writer and memoirist and also the author of Discovery Days dot com, which is a wonderful blog to follow for travel inspiration. Both Kathleen and Diane live and travel throughout Florida. So it's going to be a great podcast. So stay tuned. Enjoy both episodes uh, within one episode, right? But here's the most important thing. Let's get out in nature and honor the beauty of Mother Earth. So take care. Enjoy. Thank you. Hey, everybody, you know, we're continuing on with our segments, our, our episodes on here on Big Blend Radio with our Nature Connection show, focusing on nature destinations, experiences you can have to go out in nature, to connect with nature, and then hopefully from there, save nature. And Lisa Evans is back on the show. She's on Big Blend Radio frequently. She is a travel writer and author of 100 Things to Do in Coastal Mississippi Before You Die, so you know what she's going to talk about today, right? A little bit of coastal Mississippi. You can follow her on her website, writerlisa.com. That's in the show notes. So welcome back, Lisa. How are you? Good. How are you? Always happy when there's another Lisa and it's you on the <laughs> other end of this conversation. This is cool. Coastal Mississippi. Um, this is exciting to talk about because the nature to me, Mississippi as a state has different topographies, right? Um, no, not huge mountains. But it does get cold. I have driven through the cold um, through the entire state. Yeah, um, it, I mean, the, the north, I, I'm on the coast, um, so it doesn't get as cold. Although I will say this past winter, we've had a we've had a, a bit of a cold stretch, um, you know, for three, four days. And that's about all I want anymore. Um, but yeah, it does get cool. Like even tonight, we've got, it's kind of dreary. It's rainy. Um, it's going to be in the probably mid to high 30s so it does get cold it doesn't get you know like northeast or or you know that kind of thing cold but for the most part we're pretty temperate yeah and you I mean everyone listen to Lisa's accent she's not from Mississippi <laughs> and no, so you know she she knows real snow stuff right um, oh yes snow and you cold do. I, I yeah, yeah. And this is you know as much as I complain because I I have acclimated to the weather I will say 
Um, so my blood has thinned and, and I do, you know, whine a little bit when it gets below 50, but um, then I have to, you know, pinch myself and remember what it used to be. So, well, I mean, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. But, the, but if you think about the entire state, I know you represent coastal Mississippi. She's adamant mm-hmm. on this, but the whole state of Mississippi, it does change up. Like if you do the Trace Parkway, which we've done parts of it, but I want to do the whole route and one thing, you know, um, you're going to go through. There's like prairies and lagoons and swampy areas. And then you get out to the coast and your area is so interesting because you've got like lagoons and wetlands and the ocean. And I think that's what makes it just this extra magical paradise. And at the same time, you still have forest. And that's what I wanted to say about like these. You don't necessarily have mountains, but you can get cold and you do have forests and you do have these different topographies, even on the coast. Right. We do. Uh, most of the things that we have on the coast are are obviously water related between the bayous and the Mississippi Sounds, Mississippi Sound, which is actually an estuary. And then 12 miles out is technically the Gulf of Mexico. So we that's that's kind of all water related. We have bayous and marshes and rivers and, and all kinds of fun things. So we have both saltwater and freshwater. So that's you know, that's kind of interesting as well. As you go into North Mississippi, yeah, you're going to get the snow. and I mean, there actually is snow in Mississippi. It's like from, I would say, I think, Hattiesburg North, mostly, you know, Mm -hmm. Jackson and then North Mississippi. And the the different thing about that is um, they don't know what to do with it. I mean, we're not prepped for (laughs) for big snow. So, I mean, it's not like we have snowplows and sanders and all of that stuff. So, I mean, one inch of snow pretty much shuts a lot of good everybody of looks outside and goes hell no that, <laughs> We're that, not going out. that and yeah. i mean literally everything shuts down and here i am from the northeast going what's wrong with you people but you just put on a sweater yeah yeah i mean but but realistically especially here on the coast because it does get cold we have a lot of water we have a lot of bridges so as everybody knows bridges freeze yep. quickly and yep. if you are not accustomed to i mean nobody's prepared for ice ice is you know one of those things that you know is is deadly so if you are not prepared and you don't have the equipment to countermand the ice it actually is better that everybody stays home so yeah i mean nancy (laughs) and i did a lot of that in oregon in places that oregon was not used to either so it's kind of you know cool that we're talking about climate because climate change is kind of real wouldn't you think um oh my god yeah there's not a doubt in my mind (laughs) yeah climate change has a it's a huge huge factor and you can see it i mean i can definitely see it just um, from north to south, but even here in the south, even like um, you know our our last summer or this past summer, summer twenty twenty three was just one of the hottest. It was, I mean, I I have gotten used to the hot hot weather here. Last summer, I say I I will say stretched it, so you can tell even here it's it's hot. It gets You're getting swinging. hotter. It it yeah. is. So it's like the midlife thing where, you know, we're getting hot flashes and then all of a sudden we're freezing. Yeah. 2023 and early 24 has just been a very strange weather. And even, you know, as much as, as much as I'm, I'm not a fan of hurricanes, believe me. But if you just in the time that I have been here on the coast, which is just about 11 years, um, you can see the difference. There are more hurricanes that go up the East coast. 
um, that, you know, they still come in the Gulf. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Florida can tell you, we can tell you, Texas can tell you, but there's a lot that go up the East coast now. I mean, if, yeah. if you watch remember during that hurricane one with, season. Remember New Jersey and uh, New York getting nailed that one year. That was which the was... year I moved. That was the year oh, I moved Oh, there south. you go. See, and that was kind of like, hello, this stuff is real. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know we're talking about nature, but nature is reclaiming things and doing things. And I can tell you from driving the country and Nancy and I have been through so many different weather systems and everyone goes, well, it wasn't like this last year and it hasn't been like Correct. this for the last 10 years. Well, so it's, yeah. it's kind of real and we can all argue about stuff, but there's no point in it. Honestly, but you know what, mother, mother, with... mother nature is going to win. You're never going to beat mother nature. You just well, that's you have the beauty. To... Yeah, yeah. mother the nature beauty is the win. Yeah, <laughs> she's going to win. And the reality exactly. is, you're not going to understand until you get out in her, like in her territory, which is our territory, and mm-hmm. coexist. Then you start to understand more. There's so many little intricate things that Mother Nature shares and teaches us. You know, absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it, some of us look to Mother Nature as God, and other goes like, "Hey, no, God made Mother Nature." So I'm not getting into that war either. Correct. But the reality is, hey, this is all connected to us human beings, and you know, the more we get out, the more we understand, and the better we can coexist and understand and handle things as Mm -hmm. things get a little wonky um being in mississippi too with hurricanes and things like that are are you feeling like wow this whole conversation went off at a different tangent (laughs) it's all good this is the nature connection right we can do what we want but um being in a zone where the temperatures are fluctuating so much now and hurricanes and you know, we've been through tornado areas also in Mississippi, mm-hmm. actually. Oh, yes. Um, a tornado years, alley. About four years ago, we drove through that as it was going on and ended up in coastal Mississippi, actually at the beginning of a hurricane. And mm-hmm. we were in Gulfport at the beach going, reading a sandwich, going, this isn't feeling normal. <laughs> <laughs> and then we found out it wasn't normal and we just beat a, a hurricane. Like as we left, it happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a crazy kind of thing. And we've managed to... Thank goodness, thank God, thank, you know, the powers that be, the angels on our shoulders managed to somehow be okay um, and beat storms and run them and go through hell to do it. But being in those areas, and and Nancy and I used to live in Florida and have been through actual hurricanes a few times, and even in our pet sitting experience on the tour, um, (laughs) gone through some, but not bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were lucky where we were, scary electricity out all of that kind of stuff it's the actual aftermath that is worse depending but are you feeling like your cities and and communities are looking at climate change to be real that's what i wanted to ask about this Um, as these things are happening or is it this still station that needs to get a bit a, a bit louder maybe or a bit more real I would, I, I guess I'm kind of 50, 50 on that. Um, mm-hmm. I see that there's a portion that is going, Hey guys, you know, this, this stuff is that it happens for a reason and we need to do this, this, and this, but then you've got the, what I'll call old school people that are like, Oh no, climate change isn't real. It's, you know, all, all this, that, and the other thing. 
All you have to do is watch your weather from year to year and you can tell how real it is. Um, but I, I would say that people down here, I, um, most of us have learned that, you know, during the summertime, especially during hurricane season, you watch the weather very closely and you listen. I mean, mm. um, it's not always a hundred percent accurate, but no. better over better, better to be over prepared than under, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we were in Arkansas last year in the summer and went through a string of storms. I think, I don't know if you were coming on a show during one. And I mean, we were like, sorry, we're out. We're out. We're yeah. out. The, the electricity of the lightning, there was this like ribbon lightning or something like, it was just like, mm-hmm. it was like a blanket of lightning hitting us where we were and you could feel it hit the ground. And well, um, it yeah, was traumatic. I, I, and we had three heart tornadoes in one night, you yeah. know, and, spring, and stuff like. Spring, I will say spring storms in the South are very, I mean, if you like to, if you're one of those people that enjoy watching you know the storms and the storms roll in from the water um we we get some pretty wild storms in the spring i will say and you know if especially if they're out over the water and you're just sitting there and you're watching the the lightning and and exactly what you're describing i mean it's real those lightning bolts are like you know it's like cartoon characters it's like so but it, it but it's real. Okay, so oh, this is a whole absolutely. other nature connection. Honestly, exactly. I think I like that we're talking about this is completely different because <laughs> the weather is the most humbling thing. You uh-huh. are you are you are putty in the hands of nature and the weather, right? And you you know, to me, like we just I can't even tell you how many snowstorms I just drove through. I, I don't <laughs> I don't even want to think about it again. Man, it wasn't necessarily Mother Nature freaking me out. It was about other people being on the road. You know, I I drove it at night on mountain passes with trucks on a two-lane highway. Yeah, yeah. But we did it. We did it. And I think (laughs) I'm still going through a little bit of PTSD on it. Like, no kidding. No kidding. These guys are trained. I'm not. And um, But it is about being 100% aware. But, like, at the same time, I'm like, holy crap, this is so cool. Look what nature is doing, you know? And then all of a sudden you get out of it and the next morning you're seeing little Western towns all snowed in that haven't seen snow for like two decades. (laughs) And it's like, wow, this is so cool. And then next thing you know, you can't get to where you are and you're detoured all the way from Kingman, Arizona to Tucson to get to Lubbock. You went down to go up (laughs) because everything is, you know, and then we went through rainstorms. But I am one of those people and I think a lot of us are where you you get sucked into nature and, uh, and the weather stations. Right. Mm-hmm. And when we were in Arkansas, you know, the lady we were pet sitting for said, you've got to watch the uh, NASA. And she says, if you don't do that, you're, you're screwed. You're, it's not right. They are <laughs> the most accurate person at like, or entity, right. It's mm-hmm. not a person, <laughs> but well, yeah, that's the satellite. They are and NASA, then, you would hope so. Yeah. And then everything goes from them to the other places. So there's a delay. This is the correct one. And I have to say, she's really right. There is a two-hour delay, from what I've learned, a one to two-hour delay, almost, in going from the NASA thing to the actual, or the, the weather thing. Maybe it's NASA weather, whatever. The main, the real science people doing yep, it yep. versus Even going to the website, the other websites. You know, I'm, no, yeah, yeah. You, you, 
you go to the real ones, right? Yes. The people that are doing it and you're going to get it a little quicker and you have to learn how to watch the radar, but that's so cool mm -hmm. versus, you know, and so that's part of it. And being in these storms, like, you know, we're going to Tucson in July and we used to live in Tucson and people are like, oh, that's a really funny time to go. But, you know, that's monsoon season. And if you're lucky, mm. you get to see the monsoon storms, which are epic. And it's kind of like being on the beach when you have really big waves that can take you down. And, you oh, know, yeah. you can't, you know what I mean? So it's that hum that humility, that humbling thing mm -hmm. that I would say that nature puts you in your place as a human the, and an it, animal. It, it absolutely does, but then on the same token, um, if you're if you're nice and you take care of it, it it's just an endless source of beauty. So, okay, so now going to that, so I know they've been working on this project. Uh, I think we covered this ten years ago on the show, even before the tour, going from New Orleans all the way across. I think all the way to Houston area, maybe like on and off, right? Where mm -hmm. you leave the you leave the wetlands and let the and and repropagate the wetlands basically as a buffer, especially you remember Houston had that hurricane and all the flooding happened and everything. Yep, yep, yep. That was part of it. So like mostly the Houston area and, and that region. So the reality is, oh, let's have our seaside house. We all want that. We want the Airbnb there. Mm -hmm. We want all of that, right? What we do. I do. I mean, uh -huh. come on. I want the beach cottage. Um, I don't care where what beach it is. I don't want the people beaches. I want the 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 nature beach, right? I don't care if it's in Oregon on the coast, you know, with the <laughs> ruggedness. Well, if it's cold, I don't know. Now I have to change my mind on that. <laughs> but but the reality is this buffer that we're not letting happen, which is nature's buffer, is what's hurting our homes on the inland. And so there's this project of creating this buffer system, basically on the Gulf, let's just say the Gulf, right? That's what mm -hmm. it is. And making it more of a recreation area. So people like it's protected for nature, but you can have recreation, which is yep. always this two-sided thing. Let's have recreation, let's have nature, but we have to balance it out and be kind and be nice as humans. But if we let nature have habitat, then we're safe on the other side. Now, is that something on your side that you're seeing? Do you have places like that that buffer and help buffer the homes through nature? Um, I don't know. I don't know about homes. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of urban down here on the coast, but you can go 10 minutes up the area and, you know, you can be in, quote unquote, the country. I think a lot of the things we are trying to keep our beach destination, but they are doing little things like one of the things that pops into mind and it's not necessarily home for humans, but it's basically, we have a, a big turn population for uh, the birds mm. and our beaches, basically what they started to do, because of course you got erosion and you got the storms and whatever. Um, and of course we have a lot of people cause it is a tourist destination, but they've been tr they've been growing along our man-made beaches, um, the seagrass and their breeding grounds for terns. And then they block them off. And believe it or not, people are very respectful when the terns are breeding. So they're trying to bring the seagrass back on the beach and in these protected areas for the terns. So the terns will nest and, you know, breed and all of that. And, and that actually works pretty good. We have a lot of places here and we call them attractions for the tourists but realistically 
They have, they do great con- conservation. Um, they teach, they're great teachers for, you know, adults and kids alike about how to respect nature and what to do and, and how to, as you say, be good humans. Mm. So, you know, they, they put them off as attractions, you know, so we can, but they also have a very high um, learning conservation. This is what we should do. This is what we have to do to keep this species or this species or whatever. So I will say there is a, I I think even with all of our casinos and hotels and whatever, there's a nice balance of those out there that are trying to keep the um, seafood population and the terns and the sandhill cranes and and all the other birds. I mean, it there are really nice places here that you can go and explore and learn and respect nature as you should. I love that. I love that. And I think it 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 has to have that balance of people being part of the nature. And you know, mm-hmm. it's part of why we have the Wilderness Act, right? That came out over fifty years ago. I think last year was. 50 years or 51 years where you can, here's your national park, but this area is wilderness area. And to go in it, you have to have a permit and you're on Mm -hmm. foot. You're backpacking. Mm -hmm. You're not taking your car. You're not doing any of that stuff. It is, you are one with the wilderness and whatever happens out there stays out there. Right. Exactly. Right. But it's, and it's, they really limit it. You know, people on Pacific crest trail and even the Appalachian trail understand all of that. And, um, at the same time, we want to have people in it so they understand. And if I, I just do believe if we don't connect, it's really hard. I, I think we can't go everywhere. Um, you know, we, we just recently did a show on whales for World Whale Day. And we were talking about the fact that humpback, the humpback whales were saved by people around the world and across the country, even mm-hmm. if they didn't uh, go to the ocean right. and see a humpback whale, they saved them. But so we can save species, we can do things, but still, if you don't have those steps and those moments in nature, you don't quite understand, it is part of who we are, I believe. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that? Like when you go out? Yes. And, and like I said, I mean, I've always enjoyed nature. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not going to say I'm a rock climber or, uh, um, an adventure hiker, but you know, I'm, I'm good with, I like going through hikes. And, and one thing, uh, you know, my kids are all grown adults with their own kids now, but one thing when we, we used to do a lot of camping and, you know, when, when the kids were younger and whatever, and one of the things that was instilled in them at a very, very young age, if you go on a hike, whatever you take in, you bring out and you bring out more because there's people that have gone before you that are not respectful. So we would take like extra garbage bags or whatever. And if you saw some garbage, you'd pick it up and you'd bring it out with the stuff that you took in. And mm-hmm. I, and I have to say my, my kids to this day, they're, they all, and my grandkids, they all go camping and they do the same thing. So I, I think awesome. it has to, I think it has to be instilled at a young age that, you know, this is here for us to enjoy but you also have to respect it. Now, not everybody is going to be like that. I mean, and, and you just gotta, you just gotta teach them. I mean, even down here, it just popped into my head as we're talking. Um, They, there's actually like corporations and community. They, what they do is they do beach cleanup day and there's several of them during the week, during the year. And it's, you know, maybe um, this particular corporation and it's their community service. So their employees you know, get community service time for going out and basically doing beach cleanup. 
Um, and they do that. We have our barrier islands out here by um, at coastal Mississippi. And, you know, a lot of boaters go out there. And again, unfortunately, not everybody's respectful. And so they do island cleanup days and they'll take a group of people. They'll go over and basically they spend an entire day picking up the trash on the island. So there are a lot of um, corporations and you know, small businesses that, that get together and they do beach cleanup and they do, um, you know, all that type of thing. So I yeah, think it's, that's it, awesome. It, it's, it's really good. Um, and they even get the kids involved, excuse me, See, the kids involved. So yeah. and that's, I think where it starts. The kids have to be taught to understand and respect nature. I think the only way I, I don't even think we can teach it to them. It's them understanding it by being in it. I think well, nature that does that lesson. Yeah. Honestly, I think it, it is nature that they get, wow, look at this caterpillar. Mm-hmm. Where where did we get to this point of like, ew, it's a caterpillar. Whereas yeah. as kids, we were like, dude, that's so cool. You know? Oh, woolly, I woolly bears. I used to be endlessly flat fascinated with woolly bears. I don't know <laughs> if that's their, I don't know if that's their scientific name. I have no idea, but we no, always no, call them I woolly bears. A lot of times they are the, um, oh, I yes, have a they predict name the weather. For- they are, you know, no, now have no. They're, um, I think they're a sphinx moth. Oh, really? Into. I don't I, know. I have no I idea. I just know that you know the orange or black, and and there, I and I, I, I could get this mixed up, but depending upon the size of the black on the woolly bear, will determine whether it's going to be a, a short winter or a hard. Oh, it's a tiger or... moth. It's a tiger moth. Okay. That's what it is. I had to go look it up. I couldn't stand it. I have. To, oh, and I love them. I photographed them. Oh the yeah, the woolly bears. Are cool. Yep. Yeah, they're um, Pyroharctica. I I oh no, I can't pronounce it. Isabella. It's an Isabella tiger moth. And and oh, seriously, wow. stop stop and think about just stop and think about that process. You have a woolly bear, a caterpillar, and then several months later, it's a moth or it's a butterfly. I mean, that to me is just like and I'm like not, the monarchs, I, right? Yeah, like yeah, putting milkweed I, out for the caterpillars, oh, and here yeah. comes the monarchs. You know, uh, right? And, and what they need is trees. Yeah, trees, you know, it's, it's, you know, what is it? The circle of life. That's it. And when kids get it, they get so excited and they'll look at the weird stuff and get awed by it. But it's us adults who go, ew, I don't know. I was growing, I was raised like, ooh, and Nancy used to watch the, is it plankton, Nancy? The things where you, they would multiply these little things in the river Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what she was talking. She's always talking about them. Now I can't remember the name. They're like little black flat things in the rivers and like leeches almost. And then they would, you could, they could lose their tails like lizards and then keep going. Oh, um, 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 um oh, I know. Who, uh, you know what? It, poly, poly, uh, polywogs? What? Polywogs. Uh, polywogs? I don't know if that's it. Uh, they're, yeah, they, they transform. Yes. Yeah, I know. Probably, I think now that... I'm looking them up. Now I'm looking them up. <laughs> See, but that, but this is the beauty of it. Yeah. Oh, yep. That's a tadpole. Or tadpole polywog. Yeah. 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 Those are cool. I mean, to me, like, I, I, I think when kids have that lust for life and find something new and go cool, you know, and then I, at the same time, I was the kid who ate the flying ants and fried them <laughs> up. They do taste like peanut butter. It's true. But then you're like, why did I do that? I felt bad once I realized, like, when I learned how much work it was for them to be alive, I was like, mm-hmm. dude, I sucked. I <laughs> ate one, you know? So that life, it's so important for kids to understand that way of life. Our friend Cheryl 
Ogle comes on the show. She's a travel advisor and she talked about people going on cruises, multi-generational cruises to Alaska. Mm -hmm. And then they went off in the, in like glacier and glacier Bay and everything. And kids saw like the, a, a whale that was beached on the and dead Aww. and animal you know here comes the 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 cleanup crew of you know vultures and all of that pecking mm-hmm. at it so the kids had to learn this this is the cycle of life and i'm right like, it's so important for them to learn that and understand i mean what a good way of learning about death i hate to <laughs> we're on the nature show talking about death here we go but well it's actually true. i don't i i mean and again I, my kids, one of my all time, all, all favorite kids movies is the Lion King. I, and, and that's all about the circle of life and how, how you, how everything goes together and you have to, you know, um, I, and that was that literally, I think is probably my favorite Disney movie of all time is the Lion King. And that's it. what it's about. I love the Lion King. I could, I could sit and watch it for hours. Hey, I lived in Africa, man. That was my childhood. And, and it's true. <laughs> you learned all that. You learned it out in the bush if you went out there. But there was a lot of people also in South Africa didn't, didn't or Kenya. They didn't go out in the bush, but sometimes the bush would come into your house. So, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah you, have no you, better, you better know. Hey, listen, in Mississippi and Louisiana and Florida, you all know that, right? Alabama, yeah. too. Get into, yeah. And Georgia. Yeah, it's all coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to happen. But one thing I wanted to touch on is some of the experiences with birding you've talked about the Audubon center before. And I thought I wanted to touch on that. You talked about the turns. I think that's such a great thing. You know, the Everglades, that's kind of where we started our tour. I was at the Everglades. We saw, you know, alligators and everything, but mm-hmm. they were also trying to teach boaters. Cause literally people could get a boat there and just get in, the, get the keys and go, which is mm-hmm. not cool for wildlife. Right. They don't understand about manatees and shark you know all these things in the water that you could hit and they were doing this huge initiative to teach boating and we went on a boat where we were taught how to pull and troll which of course nancy and i thought was funny but um they were doing things where in this area you need to go down to like 10 miles an hour or totally don't come here because this is Mm -hmm. nesting birds at the time i think it was a certain ibis or uh, i think the storks I, I, but it, there were nesting birds that needed to be able to nest and um, they were really working on that it was also about the sawgrass that was in mm-hmm. the water which is the life form for everything manatees everybody's eating on that sawgrass that's part of that wild landscape so that was a really cool thing and it was about birds but going to your trash thing we saw a kid dump a uh, can of soda at the Ahinga Trail in the Everglades, mm. and the parents did nothing. Yeah, that's and, well, and, and I had to I had issue. to literally like grab Nancy and walk her to the car uh-huh. she she was going to go off, <laughs> you know, uh, rightly so. I, what, I hear she, you. She did make somebody pick up their trash in Sequoia National Park. Good. Good it for was her. a kid did something, and she said, "Well, that's not in the Junior Ranger book." Like. She did something and they turned around and cleaned up their trash. She's done that. <laughs> well, well, you know, there's so many, there's so many ways and it's very hard. You can't tell people how to teach their raise kids. Raise their kids right? and how to raise you can't, their kids. You can't You're do right. that. But you can do some like things. I don't know. We just <laughs> have to do something. We have to, there's, we have to be creative. Nancy was creative with the one in Sequoia Park. We were all, they were doing road construction and we we're all like stuck there. So I was like, whatever you do understand we're living with it for the next hour 
mm-hmm. like literally. And so she was very good. Nancy did so she was very good. I thought, you know, hello, that was well done. And she's <laughs> like, Oh, I'm reading the Junior Ranger book. And in the Junior Ranger book, she's reading it out loud out of the window. <laughs> we do not litter as junior rangers. And all of a sudden they went and picked up their trash and put it in there. There you go. So I thought good that was pretty her. cool. But there's people who clean up the you know, the adopt a highway signs we all see. Mm-hmm. I have friends that do that that clean up the highways go out there on their own time as volunteers and clean up highways. I think that's a huge thing that we can all yeah. do. But anyway, going back to the Audubon thing, I digress. Yeah. I got excited. <laughs> but the Audubon thing, because about the birds and understanding them, talk a little bit about the Audubon center, because it seems like that area is a place where you can get out in nature, but also learn and have an interpretive experience. It is. It's it's basically it's on the it's still in Coastal Mississippi. It's called the Pascagoula River Audubon Center, and the Pascagoula River is actually kind of kind of cool in itself. It's the longest free flowing river in the lower forty eight, um, and that's just a little tidbit about the river. But it basically has a very unique ecosystem. So the Audubon Center sets uh, sits you know right alongside the Pascagoula River, and it's a really um, it's a really great day trip i mean um you can go there when i go there we rent we rent kayaks and you can go out in the bayous and you'll you could you could see a gator i mean obviously they're not going to come right up you could see them in the in the the marshes and the snowy egrets and ospreys and eagles and cormorants and it's Mm. just really it's really relaxing just to kayak through and then they also have on the ground so they have a little nature bit you know a little um I don't know what you um, build it. And they do like different programs there for kids and for adults. And they bring in different um, at one point in time. One of the times I went, they had a art like they had local artists from different schools and they had all drew um, their photos were all drawn by high school students and middle school you know oh. I don't know if there was any elementary and they displayed them and it was all about some part of nature and you know they have indoor displays and they show the native the native animals like you know the turtles and the fox and and that type of thing and um it's just a really cool place and it you know you could go you can go through it in a few hours um you, pro- you know if you go kayaking you go kayaking for an hour and a half two hours and then you take a walk through the indoors and you see all the exhibits and you know it's a it's a really nice it's one of those things where you go like, hey, what do you want to do today? Let's go over there. And you can always find something new. Like one time, one time you might see an alligator, one time you might not. You know, you might Ooh. see an eagle, one time you might see an osprey. It was, you know, some days it just, it just depends upon, you know, and how many people are there. And then they have a really cool thing once a year in September called the Hummingbird Festival. So they get the hummingbirds when they migrate through the area and they actually tag them. And it's the coolest thing. Um, and they show you how they catch them and they ha- and they're so little tiny. I actually got to feel one of them's little heartbeat because they, I, I mean, I say tag, I'm not exactly how they do it, but basically they, they, um, tag the them so they can, yeah. yeah, the banding, that's it. And that way they can monitor if the same ones come back. I mean, you know, everybody says if you feed them, like we have hummingbird feed, I have hummingbird feeders here at my house. I have, I want to say three of them and in the spring and the fall when they're migrating through and they are the coolest birds to watch they, they're just and they're, they're the territorial as heck 
man. They, they sure really are. Do. And it's hysterical. I mean, I have videos on my phone where you'll get two or and the may, you know, you'll get the two or three males and they zip and they zoom and it's it's really fun to watch them. Um, and then the Hummingbird Festival at the Audubon Center, like I said, they do a whole festival around this and they bring in different exhibits, like they bring in birds of prey. So there, you know, there's local rescues and, and whatever, and they set up and it's just a really fun little family oriented day that you can go out and just, just, you know, wander around. You can take little hikes. They have native plants. You can see it's just, it's really a nice day on the festival day and even just for a nice little day trip you know oh you got a saturday free hey let's go to the audubon center and just you know go kayaking for a little bit and go in the bayous and it's just it's really it's really a cool place i want to go kayaking badly and just <laughs> also just i think being on the beach just hanging out on the beach is a way to connect you know it's well it's great yes. because you can you can just sit there and just watch you, I mean, sunrises and su- sunsets here in, in coastal Mississippi are, you know, beyond measure. But even even if there's a storm, like you can sit on the beach and it can be sunny and you look out over the water and you can see the storm coming. And depending, uh-huh. upon, how, uh, depending upon how brave you are, you, you know, can stay right there until it, it you know, it comes ashore. But it, it is pretty cool to watch, um, you know, to watch a storm coming in off the Gulf, right up into the sound. And then obviously, you know, but you can see it way far off and, you know, depending on how fast it's moving. And like I said, how brave you are, if you want to hang out on the beach till it's right on top of you or not, but it, it, the beach is a cool place to, to, you know, just, just be, just walk and just be. I love it. I love it. You've made me want to come back to Mississippi. That's for (laughs) sure. So, you know, uh, everybody, I've got Lisa's website linked up in the show notes and go check it out. WriterLisa.com. Again, her book is 100 Things to Do in Coastal Mississippi Before You Dive. Die, not dive. (laughs) I want to go diving. We were talking about the ocean. I'm like, let's go. Um, You can get on Amazon through Really Press and all of that. So go check it out. And especially if you live in coastal Mississippi or thinking of going there, definitely get the book. So you have all these hidden treasures at your your fingertips, right? Yes, Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been a real pleasure having you back on the show. It's always fun to to talk with you. We always have a great time and we get into some good, good conversations. No kidding. We we did it today for sure. All right. Well, thank So, uh, everybody, you know, we're doing our Nature Connection show talking about destinations where you can make that connection with nature and really experience the beauty that she has, whether it's scenery or wildlife. And um, last month, we were talking with Kathleen Walls and Diane Dobry, both of them travel writers, about the state of Florida. We were celebrating Florida Day, and that podcast is up there. You can just go to YouTube.com at Big Blend Radio, or just go to uh, NationalParkTraveling.com, and you'll find it there. And um, somehow, we got them both together again. They're like the Florida duo that come here on Big Blend Radio. Uh, Dr. Diane Dobry, you can go to her website, Discovery Days dot com that's d-a-z-e discoverydays.com and it's also discoverydays 
with a D on the end on Facebook. And for Kathleen, she's an author as well as a travel writer. You can go to AmericanRoads.net for her stories and then for her books. And she's written so many about Florida and the wild coast and nature. Uh, Go to KatieWalls.com. That's K-A-T-Y. So welcome back, Diane. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing well also. Hey, I think we're going to have to start a Florida show with the two of you. I don't know what's going on here, but um, it just happens this way, isn't it? (laughs) That we're going to cover Florida together again, but this time we're going to be really focusing on a nature connection. And uh, Katie, you've been on our show before talking about um, different wildlife areas. And you know, Nancy, you and I have a thing about kayaking and being out in nature and Kayaking with alligators sounds like a fun thing for us, but um, today I know you're going to be talking about one of our most favorite places in Florida, which is Merritt Island, a national wildlife refuge. And you've got a, everyone, the links I keep telling you about uh, are all linked in the show notes as always, um, but you've also got a tour guide you wrote about it. And everyone, you can go to tours number four mobile.com and look for the Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge book that Katie is a co-author of and that is up in the show notes as well but this this is right outside Titusville right and connected to Cape Canaveral for people if they're going to that national seashore one of the amazing things about it is as you're riding into it from Titusville there's one road where you can look down it's just a dirt road perfectly natural and you can look down and see a launch pad on the space center oh it's right, right adjoining the most technical place on earth and the most wild place and one of the most wild places in florida wow 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 the other thing about that wildlife refuge i'm um, being so close to cape canaveral if you want a true nature connection and cape canaveral national seashore you can go topless if you want as well. yeah, you <laughs> they can go completely Andrea Slavin and uh, Cape Canaveral Beach. Yeah, there, there's nudie, nudie be- yeah, clothing op- optional. I was like, the nudie beaches, I couldn't believe it. I was like, no way. You can lie naked <laughs> or naked if you're, depending on where you're from. You can lie naked and, and watch space shuttles go off. It's a whole different world out there. But what I find very fascinating, and I think what makes Merritt Island such a, and, and Cape Canaveral really together is, that you've got the lagoon marsh wetlands area connected to the coast. So you have that in-between zone where alligators love to hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, you got manatees depending on the year time of year and the bird life is insanely amazing. There's that um, a driving tour people can do. And there's the end of it is like this row of osprey. Um, it, I need to go back. I, you, Sorry, you're supposed to talk about this area, but you hit on one of my favorite (laughs) spots, Katie. (laughs) It's a beautiful natural place. It's one of the most beautiful places, I think, in Florida and certainly has some of the most nature. Mm. Every kind of bird you find, your sandhill cranes out there, your whooping cranes, uh, egrets, um, and then other wildlife there, of course, like you said, alligators. At the time, I would say once it was mating season and the manatees were swimming around and um, it's really hard. I got a few pictures of the manatees, but they were a lot more interested in one another than the people. And um, there's bobcats. Wow. I've never, never been lucky enough to see a bobcat, but I've seen bobcat tracks. The rangers mm-hmm. will tell you that's a really nice ranger station. 
And they'll tell you that the best time to see the bobcats is early, early in the morning. Mm. And a real early morning person, usually. So didn't see. But the I, scripture, I've been there really early in the morning, and um, the sunrise is. Um, no, not a bobcat. Um, but we saw tricolored herons, and it and oh, just yeah. you know, and I think what's great is a lot of national wildlife refuges have you know, these um, wildlife drives you can do. So if you have someone who can't hike and you, you know, want to do that kind of drive, you can. But a lot of times you can park and, and they'll take you to trailheads that you can do. I mean, they have those ponds. Is it Black Point? Is it the Black Road for the wildlife drive? It's Black something. There's a, there's a, there's a trail, a scrub jay trail where you get out and you walk, but there's also the loop trail where you ride around and there's little pull-offs where if you see usually you'll see a lot of birds and you can pull off to the side of the road and stop and get out and take pictures and watch them for a while mm. the scrub jay trail you pull up there and it, it's a hiking trail but as you hike down it the neatest thing about it, the time we did it good to cover out but one time in particular uh scrub jays have a really kind of odd personality family trait. The mom and pop of scrub jays will have a baby. Hatch, it hatches. But instead of going on its own way and doing its own thing right away, it hangs around. And then when mom and pop have another set of babies hatching, the juvenile scrub jay is still there sort of playing guard. And the day we were in there, we got some pictures. The uh, juvenile was just flying all around and we got a really fantastic picture of the little baby. And he's the tiniest little thing. I mean, not even a hand span. And he's standing there with his wings spread out like he thinks he's an eagle or something going to attack you. And the juvenile oh. and the mother and father bird were there. So it was really one of the most fascinating experiences with birding. We have uh, right now where we are in Lubbock, Texas, we have blue jays hanging out too. And Boy, are they squawky. I love them, them and, and woodpeckers together in a forest. And I think that's, again, what makes Merritt Island so amazing is the biodiversity of the longleaf pine as well, right? right. So you have palm trees, the pine, you've got the coast. Oh. So it really is that diversity that brings in all this wildlife and herons and egrets. The tricolored herons, to me, I flipped out. And They're that, beautiful. Yeah. And don't you get bald eagles, too, out there? Yes, they have eagles. I have not seen one. I've seen ospreys. I had the mm-hmm. neatest experience watching an osprey actually dive down, catch fish, and come up carrying the fish in his mouth going back to his nest. Wow. Wow. It's amazing to see these experiences. And I think for kids, um, for them to, I mean, because it's, you're not going to take that drive or go on a walk and not see anything. You're going to see oh, yeah. something. You're going to see some And deer, and, and there's probably bear in there, too. I've not seen any. Mm. We saw a manatee the last time we were there, but it wasn't yeah. the season. There were a lot of manatees. It was really hard to get a picture, though, because, as I said, it was mating season, and they were yeah. paying a lot more attention to one another than they were to coming up and breathing. When is mating season for the manatee? Because isn't it November through February that they gather? I, I want to say kind of mid-season is, you know, early March, now, but I'm not positive of that. I don't, okay. don't, I've been there so many times. I don't really remember mm. which time that was. Well, I want to go to Diane now because Diane is taking us to uh, some springs, Rainbow Springs, Homosassa Springs, and uh, also Juniper Springs. So um, that's one thing about Florida, especially, you know, going through the Panhandle all the way kind of the northern and into central uh, Florida. 
these springs are like Makula Springs is one of my favorites too. Um, it's just these turquoise water clear and depending on the manatee season, sometimes you can see them, but it's again, this biodiversity that happens. And I think last time you were on the show, Diane, you were talking about the luminescence, um, springs i don't know if i'm even using the right word yeah i think that was indian indian something i have a friend a a person i worked with um and she runs that kind of tour group um i think it's indian springs um yeah in front of me but when i i lived in in citrus county for uh, 2016 2017 and i worked as a as a, a stringer for the local paper so during the summer when there's no education stories to write, they'd send me around like, oh, go to Juniper Springs, go to Rainbow Springs, go go here, go to Kanapaha in Gainesville. So I wrote, I, I didn't even realize, I wrote about 10 stories about the wildlife areas there. So, and the it's burping neat. and everything. And, and with the blue, with the blue, the scrub jays, that's something you're saying that these springs also have them all around as well, right? Yeah. In fact, um, Homosasa um, Wildlife State Park has a has a, a walking trail. There's like birds. It's a birding trail. And there's a apparently the Great Florida Birding and Wildlife Trail goes through Homosasa, Crystal River, and um, Inverness, which are all in Citrus County. So if you're a birder, that's like one of the best places and the scrub jays are you know apparently um they're endangered and they are only seen in florida they're only um i guess breeding in florida but yeah uh, juniper juniper springs and rainbow springs juniper springs is in the ocala state forest rainbow springs is in Donellan, um which mm. is north of crystal river um crystal river is where this this past um when Matt, the manatees were all coming into the coast to stay warm crystal river was on the weather channel and everything and um three sisters um area was where the manatees gather but in the homosasa wildlife refuge they take care of animals that are injured and mm. especially manatees that have been injured by propellers because a lot of times the boats are going in and out of the area where they come in from the Gulf. And they have this place where you can walk into um, like a little pavilion and then down and you can see the manatees um, swimming around through a glass and they, they feed them cabbage. They love their cabbage. So, um, and I think there's a, they, they have a thing. I believe that you can, feed them the cabbage. They'll give you cabbage to do that. And they have a lot of volunteers who know all about the animals and can tell you about them. There's also a interesting about the cabbage because it's kind of like kelp and things like that. Those, Mm -hmm. those, you know, kind of coarse plants underwater. Right. But I'm thinking that's going to create a lot of bubbles in the water. I'm just saying, sorry, I had to go there. I was just like, okay, there's a manatee. I see a bubbles over there. (laughs) You know? Yeah, they, they had actually certain kind of plant. I can't remember what it was called, but they had to replant it because it was getting eaten um, a lot. Mm-hmm. But juniper, juniper. And, uh, grass, what? Oh, sawgrass? Sawgrass, I believe. Yes, oh. yes, that's it. That's was It was becoming depleted and they were growing mm-hmm. that in certain areas in the water, the sawgrass. 
but Juniper Springs and Rainbow Springs, I I really liked because they have they they have pools that are like year round seventy two to seventy four degrees of the water temperature. Wow, they're open three hundred sixty five days a year. I think except um, maybe Rainbow Springs is not on Christmas, but they have um, like Rainbow Springs. I really liked. Um, they also don't allow any kind of outside. Um, they don't allow pets in there, um, except on the campground, they have to be leashed. They don't allow plastics. They don't allow, um, even bicycles. And I think it's rainbow Springs because it does, it can, or is it juniper? I think it's, um, rainbow Springs. If, in fact, if you bring your own kayak or canoe, you have to walk it from 18 foot walk from the parking area to the water because they don't allow any drop-offs in the area. They keep it really pristine. And they have a tubing thing that you can tube for like two and a half miles. And the water is clear, you know, clear as glass. It's Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? When you, when you think about that being so pristine, that crystal, crystal clear. I know you have crystal springs too, right? We can't not bring up crystal springs. We are talking about it, but it being so clear, it's like, it, you think it's almost like being at, you know, like Fiji or somewhere. You yeah, know what I mean? it, it's so clean. Oh, man. And so the manatees come out for that, which is amazing. We were in Sylvan and Pitts or something, Sylvan Springs once. We just found it on the side of the road. And it was mind-blowing to me. You could get the springs part and then the river, which was like almost like a black river. And it was so dark. So you had these just complete opposites of of waterways right next to each other and katie you've experienced that right you know it, that that right. they... the tannin makes the water black black uh near pensacola because that's other area uh the there's a lot of the black water rivers uh swanee river and that's the tannin in it from the okay. pine trees yeah i think you haven't even have like a black water or black river refuge mm, or black world state park up there yeah, yeah. And then, Not so the Diane, did, did you see that too at these springs that, you know, here's the crystal blue, you know, see through water. And then around the corner, it's like, how did it get to that? <laughs> you know? I did didn't it... see it, but in Juniper Springs, they don't, they don't take the trees. Like if the trees fall into the water, they leave it there. They Good. don't steer it out. And they, they do have like a seven, I think it's a seven mile um wilderness area that there's a three to five hour long canoe and kayak run run. And they say, if you're dating someone and you go on that run, you're going to know if you can live with them or not, because it's so <laughs> challenging with all the trees and everything and getting stuck on things. But you know, that's important though, because they're letting life keep its cycle. You right. know, it, it's the same thing as everyone taking their leaves and raking their leaves up and not letting you know, it's, it's part of why we are losing our fireflies is losing that habitat oh, really? because we want everything so manicured and mm. manicuring is not necessarily good for nature, which means that's why you start having pesticides and stuff because you haven't let nature do its job. Mm. You know, if you let things be natural, yeah, you can have your little manicured areas, not saying that you can't, right? So people want to have a patch of lawn for kids to play on and things like that. But leave some spaces for if you share and coexist, you know, the birds will come and get the bugs. You know, we were laughing about possums earlier because we we love possums and they the possums eat the ticks. 
you know, and as we keep taking out these animals, then we end up, you know, Lyme's disease. We've done so many interviews. Uh, Doug Tellamy is a professor and he's written a book, The Best Hope for Nature, and he's done it for kids. And he's got a whole movement calling. It's about kids creating a national park in their backyard. So, mm-hmm. you know, so that kids get to witness things like raccoons and the birds. And, you know, it's like, oh, we're letting nature do its thing. Fireflies is another thing is, you know, you take all those leaves away. We don't have fireflies. And people are like, well, mm-hmm. we used to have fireflies. I don't know why. Well, you're doing Roundup. You're doing, you know, yeah. you're not leaving water. You're taking the dead trees where bugs hide in and then the birds get them, you know, so we're taking away that web of life. So it's 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 so cool to see but as you know we kill mountain lion and bobcat and all these you know these key species well then the predators are gone from the deer we have more deer people get mad about deer in their gardens and deer you know and the ticks that's what causes Lyme disease so there's this whole cycle of what we have done or undone in nature and so when you go to these areas what you're talking about Diane makes me so incredibly happy that they let areas be what nature would do because you know those trees we as human beings may go you know what a pain in the butt for boaters and blah 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 but you know what that's how nature has it and you and know something's living it. in there exactly exactly the scrub I mean, days at one time in the 1800s there were fifty thousand of them now audubon society says there's only about nine thousand left and the whole problem is Carl hyacinth the florida author gets it down the scrub jays can't vote and the developers can and they mm-hmm. both like the same habitat, that scrub habitat. Mm-hmm. So who's gonna win? Yeah, the money. Oh money. <laughs> oh uh-huh. Diane, you and I get ten points. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's in um in Juniper Springs they have um you can camp but there's bears and they say, Well, we want people to learn to live with the bears. So they have lockers for your food mm-hmm. so that you yeah. know you're not gonna attract them to uh to your area but that that is done most in most refuges national parks state parks um because if the bears come for food and then then they become the human nuisance and they end up killing the bear which is unfortunate you know that's their home that's where they live if they smell food they think they can go get it i mean we're taking their land away from them and then wanting to shoot them and there's a law going through which is going to pass florida senate any day now where people can shoot bears in their backyard if they come in their backyard or anything. You know, it's... Oh, that's it's, sad. That that's a, I know New Jersey went through, we did some shows on New Jersey hunting of bears. I mean, they were getting short on bears. And bears, again, is a, is a prime species that is so important. I mean, they eat insects too. People forget that. They eat, you know, worms, the grubs um, in the fall. I remember just being in Sequoia National Park with Nancy and I hiking this beautiful meadow, Crescent Meadow. It's my favorite place. Talk about a nature connection spot. And you go into the forest from there and we heard this, you know, really loud scratching and kaboom, like big kabooms of trees. Well, it was bear and her mama, her mama bear and her cubs, three cubs. And, you know, we wanted to get photos, but it, we we didn't because, you know, mama was on the run and you don't mess with that. But what, what they were doing with the bears in the fall before they do their hibernation, which is not a full hibernation. They just want to be cozy over winter, you know, and rest a bit. They scratch out the grubs out of the dead trees. And the dead trees are crucial for wildlife. 
uh, for bugs, for insects, for birds, um, to feed off of bears, all of that, you know, um, it's crucial. So as we take things away to be perfect for our homeowners associations, we may want to think about what we're actually doing in, as a whole. But um, the bear thing, it's sad because we are we have encroached on their territory big time on bears. Asheville, North Carolina, people are coexisting with bears in their neighborhoods. Bears come in their mm-hmm. backyards. People learn how to do their trash properly. You can lock your trash so that bears can't get in. There are things you can do instead of kill them. Yeah. Really. Sorry about Florida. That sucks. I did <laughs> a story in, uh, about the Citrus County Eagle Scouts. And one of the things you were talking about, all the bugs, they they were building bat um like these, I don't even know what they call them. It's almost like a box. Bat the- box. Yeah, bat boxes. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and they, Gainesville. so they would eat the mosquitoes. The Gainesville bat. has that. And, and mm-hmm. they have the bat houses. And every night the bats come swarming out and eat tons of mosquitoes. Yeah. See, that that's exactly it. You know, bugs do it. And bugs are eaten by other wildlife. And if we kill them, then mm-hmm. the bugs are here. Then we spray. And then... That also weakens our immune system as human beings, and we get sick. Your kids get sick. Your pets get sick. So um, the nature connection, that's the important thing, I think, is when you go out in wildlife to see the cycle of life occur. You know, when you think, when you see a heron hunt for a fish or a snake, man, that always gets me is herons and snakes, how that happens, man. Herons are just, don't mess with a heron. And they will squawk at you if you get in their hunting zone. My gosh, will they squawk and make a noise? But <laughs> when you see and and uh, like just that example, and you think, oh wow, I want that water to be clean so that the heron is eating a clean fish, and that the fish had a clean life while it was there. That's the point of what we do with the Nature Connection show. Is hey, if we can keep those places pristine, we can enjoy them, and these these critters can do what they do naturally in their cycle not ours you know it balanced because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we need them too you know we all need each other so it's that coexistence part um so rainbow springs homosassa springs juniper springs are they all like close like so if someone went on a little road trip to florida um that yeah they well could... um homosassa is south and then you go north to rainbow springs is Denellen, and then um, a little bit northwest, northeast of that is um, Ocala, and so it's. I would say Ocala is not much more than a half an hour from uh, Crystal River or you know Citrus County. Oh, so it's it's cool. a nice little day trip or weekend, you know, trip. There's a lot of hiking trails and kayaking trails in Citrus County. Mm. I, I can't leave this Florida conversation without giving St. Mark's National Wildlife Refuge a shout oh. out. It's one of my other favorites. Come on, Katie. I know you've been there too. It's it's awesome, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes, yeah. it is. I, the cutest little alligator I've ever seen, just sitting there in the bank, just looking at me. They're cute, and you do talk to them. And and have you heard the alligators when they all start talking and kind of like they kind of bark and giggle at the same time? During mating season, they'll do that a lot. I was kayaking with a friend, Deb Thompson. We were doing an RV trip across Florida, and we were kayaking uh, rain, uh, not Rainbow Springs, um, 
Alexander Springs, right near Beautiful Springs. And she's from uh, up Wild West, and she's not used to alligators. And she kept hearing them barking. She kept asking, you think they're going to bother us? Because we were in inflatable kayaks. I thought, you're not their type. They're not worried. But you could definitely hear them, almost like, like little dogs barking in the background. Speaking and of little Alexander dogs. Springs is, is like Juniper. It's perfectly clear. You can see down to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's neat. So you see the alligators in the clear water? Do they get it? Because you see, most of the pictures I see is Oh, you can see them the every now and then. Yeah. yeah. Mostly, they, they we didn't see any. They would be closer to the bank. They get up on the uh, log. Yeah, they so sun themselves I on the bank. There was, um, oh, this was in Georgia, uh, Stephen Foster Park, and one went right under my kayak. That's Luckily, cool. he didn't come up and turn me over. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a little messy, and I'm glad you're here. Yes, <laughs> glad you're here. Do you do you see you see them out in the Orlando area, Diane? The alligators. Alligators. Well, I was house sitting. I told you I was just house sitting and cat sitting. It was south of Orlando in Poinciana near Kissimmee, and um, my mm. friend uh, she says she walks all around there, and there's all kinds of boars and you know all these big birds, uh, sand cranes, I guess they are. But I was riding my bike and I saw an alligator um but it looked it was small it was like the size of a dog um a small dog and I said well there's got to be a mama around so I'm not going to stop to take a picture so but I <laughs> and I I used to live on a a lake in um in the Orlando area my my apartment overlooked the lake and you would see people running around with cameras snapping pictures cuz there were about seven alligators in the lake that hung around this dock that where they would launch from. Oh, uh, but the alligators are cool, man. They really, I mean, I remember that's kind of how our tour started. Our Love Your Park store was in Everglades National Park, and you could just walk right next to them. They're sunning. They don't care. But if you mess with oh, them, yeah. they're, they're going to care, you know. Um, but I think all the, over the Everglades. Big the Everglades, I've, I, I think the Everglades is one of the most crucial habitats we have in this country and it's being, yeah. it's, it's going mm-hmm. through so much hell. Biscayne, uh, Big Cypress, like you're saying, uh, there's oil drilling and there's a lot of threat. But, the big um, sugar fibers too are dumping in there and not worrying about how they're polluting it. Mm. And, but it's a water source for a lot of Florida. But that's the thing is that I never could understand when I moved here that they have everything you know, you go to these fast food places and they have all the styrofoam, styrofoam cups and styrofoam packaging. And I'm like, we're in Florida, the aquifer, you can't be polluting it. And and yet they don't recycle. They don't care. Stuff. They just don't care. It's just to make the money quick as we can now. It's a and shame. That's all they're worried about. And it's not just in Florida, Louisiana. Look what they've done to that, to their waterways with all the oil there. And that's what, yeah. what the hurricanes come in even more. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it, it, this is the importance. If you go out and you really see how pristine, when you find places that are truly protected, it, it's gorgeous. I mean, you, yeah. you feel healthy. There's nothing that will make you feel as healthy as you can possibly be than nature. Nature, because that's our true state as a human being is to be mm-hmm. part of the natural ecosystem. And when we're outside in fresh air, I know you all have to have air conditioning in Florida, right? But when you're out in fresh air and you're part of it and your body starts to connect with it, there it's um you're part of the place. There's a say there's a term 
biophilia, and I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, but it is when you are part of the landscape, you become one with it. And it's the most healthiest feeling ever that you could ever experience. And the more we do it, the healthier we are. There's, they're, they're trying to document about how nature is medicine for human beings. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of pulled ourselves mm -hmm. away from it. So the most important thing we can do is go for a picnic outdoors. If that's the easiest thing, go for a walk outside, go yeah. to a park. Um, if you do the drive around in the national wildlife refuge, try and get out where you can even just to feel that wind, you know, on, on your face, feel it, you know, and, and oxygen when you get out there with all those trees too mm -hmm. you're breathing you, better i get absolutely euphorically giddy and weird i i can't help it to be in a place like nancy and i do a lot as we travel the country people look at us like well you could go to stay at this hotel this resort and we do a lot of that we do um mm -hmm. a lot of bed and breakfast a lot of hotels a lot of motels where i can just park our car and not have to unpark the, unpack the whole thing but we're always trying to get to especially wildlife refuges and national parks sunrise because then you have the dawn's course you see the sunrise you watch and hear if you you know get out of the car and listen you will hear everybody wake up and communicate and and the birds mm -hmm. will talk to each other you can hear the wildlife you can see the deer start to go out and get their first drink of the day you, you know it's it is something that um, it is, you really, I don't, you don't need coffee. I still need coffee, but yeah. you really don't. <laughs> you, you really don't because there's such an energy from all these species. And we like to get there when it's still dark and that crossover happens because you can even hear the bug changeover. It's very odd. And you do get bitten. So, yes, you can put things on that don't you don't get bitten as much. You can wear the right clothes. You can do things. But to witness this and be part of it makes you really realize that you are part of the universe. It is the biggest connection that we have. So um, when you were talking about the trees, I was remembering the movie Fungi or fun with the, how the mushrooms connect to the trees and the ants. Fantastic fungus. Yeah. I love that documentary. That was very interesting and informative about nature and how it all works together. It does. And we're part of it. And that's the, the point of all of this. This is awesome. Ladies, thank you so much. And, and for shining mm -hmm. the good light. And then also keeping us aware of some of the issues, because regardless of styrofoam, regardless of any of the things that are negative, we still have a voice and we still can choose where we put our dollars. We can vote. We can do things we can use our social media posts to do good we can use our voice use our wallets so we can make a change oh yeah yes i'm making a note of this on this bear law the ones who are voting to let people shoot bears i'm making a note of the people who are voting for it and against it and my vote's going to count on that one yeah. see that's a good point about else, yeah it's where you where you put your yeah. political vote is it vote for nature, which is ultimately voting for you. Right. We're all mm -hmm. part of nature. We just mm -hmm. forget that sometime and go chasing that almighty dollar. Yeah. Well, I, I think if Florida could look at what Asheville, North Carolina is doing, they manage to, the, the bears are collared so that they know what bears doing what and where, but they're not being killed. 
unless there's really a right. problem. Everyone's just kind of coexisting and it's like, cool, there's a bear, you know? So I, I love there's a, a bear. I've seen very few in the wild, but I do love when I see one. They're awesome. We just saw one recently on our way into Tucson. We went to Chiricahua National Monument and we were just leaving the park and a bear just stumbled down a cliff and ran in front of the car, ran in front of us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a bear. And it's a little bear. <laughs> well, it, they're bi- it was big in Arizona terms, but little for, you know, other bears, but cute, you know, just, and when you see those paw print, those pads, that's like, wow, <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well, ladies, thank you so much, everyone. Again, I've got the show notes. Uh, you can look at the links there to connect with Katie and Diane. Again, it's discoverydays.com for Diane's blog, and she has all kinds of great travel destinations there. For Katie's books, go to katiewalls.com. That's K-A-T-Y, katiewalls.com. And for her stories, go to americanroads.net. And, of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com and our Nature Connection show that airs every fourth Friday. And uh, we will link to uh, articles and books and everything from the show notes. So check it out there. Thank you, ladies. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Big Blend Radio's Nature Connection Show. Follow us at bigblendradio.com and keep up with Margot at margocarrera.etsy.com.